Today we're going to talk about the need for Christians to be critical thinkers as we look at the season three trailer for the upcoming season of the hit show, The Chosen. One moment in the trailer has garnered a lot of attention because some people believe that Jesus is actually quoting from the Book of Mormon. So we'll take a look at that today and see if the reaction to this is overblown or whether it's well-deserved. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor. If you have any small business needs, if you're starting a brand new business, if you need to get some help with payroll, or maybe you have some staffing needs and you don't know where to find the best people, you can get all of that done by going to our friends over at Anchor. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. They can help you with all of the above and so much more. They can put legs underneath your vision, but to see everything that they can do for you, you need to go to A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z now and let them know that any Thinker sent you. And for a short period of time, they're running a special on payroll solutions to try to help you get your business to the next level. So go over there today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Well, welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You might notice um, it's not an optical illusion on the screen, but I am wearing some fresh IndieThinker gear that you can get at our store by going to our website, IndieThinker.org. We've got shirts like this and so much more that will just help your Christmas giving game go to the next level. So I know we're just a day past Halloween, but uh, it's never too late to support great businesses like IndieThinker. Another way that you can also support your own personal kind of learning and and IndieThinker is by going to our website and signing up for our newsletter. Uh, I'm going to be this week putting out a review of the new book by Emmanuel Amanchuku, probably said that incorrectly, but nonetheless, a great book called Erased. And, and this is content that is exclusive to those who sign up for our newsletter. But let me just tell you that this book is perhaps the most important book upon race written in the post-2020 era um, that, that you need to, to read. So um, it's an absolute must, especially if you're a believer and you want a redeemed and intellectual, rational uh, perspective on race. So uh, so you need to be a newsletter subscriber to get that. So go to our website and the homepage, scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see where you can sign up to get that. Now, we're going to jump into the show today, but I want to start off on a small anecdotal level with something called the golden mean. Now, in a introductory philosophy class, maybe you encountered this idea of the golden mean. It was uh, established first by some of the greats, which I remember their names by SPA in chronological order, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. But Plato was one of the first people to establish this idea of the golden mean, and then Aristotle kind of filled in the gaps and made it much more kind of a robust idea. And the golden mean is another way of saying the middle way or the center position between two extremes. Think about it this way, that you you don't want to be too prideful and you don't want to be humiliated, right? Because if you're humiliated, then you're deficient. But if you're prideful, then you're extreme. So it's better just to be somewhere in the middle, to be modest. Now, we've talked about center positions on the show before, and what I've tried to illustrate is that center positions are often usually not really center positions. Usually, center positions are just used as an excuse for cowardice. For instance, if you are a Christian and today you are idly sitting by with nothing to say much on the gender transitioning of minors or nothing to say about abortion, especially how it slaughters black babies in the womb, 
if you have nothing to say about how race is being used and abused by people on the left um, as emotional extortion to bring about their policy ideas, if, if you're not willing to expose these things and talk about these things and be honest about these things, then you actually don't have a center position. You're just trying to find a position of cowardice so that you can push those things away. Now, you lump those into the extreme left or whatever position you want to call extreme right, and you try to avoid those at all costs. But the reality is the golden mean isn't just enough truth and just enough mercy. It's all the truth and all the mercy that you need to be in a position that is golden. That's what the golden mean is really all about. And as an independent thinker, whether you be a Christian or not, it's what we want to try to strive for. Not just the middle position between two extremes, but the honest, rational, and logical position that comes often in between extremes. So push aside ideas like the radical middle and the, the holy middle and, and what Christianity today wants to call middle positions. It, it doesn't mean that you, you didn't vote for Donald Trump and now you're a centrist. No. It doesn't even mean that you didn't vote for an election denier. That doesn't make you a centrist. What makes you a centrist is a person who is dedicated and obligated to fully upholding the truth while also grabbing a hold of, the, of other virtues in the process and not forgetting those virtues. So it's important to establish that as we're kind of jumping into our first story because we're going to be talking about the Chosen and its season three trailer and some controversy that's surrounded that season three trailer. And the controversy is important to note, not because we want to be the kind of people that are all over YouTube who consistently want to try to show that they're a keyboard hero of some type and spark outrage and build a platform simply by pretending to have an offense about something or trying to spark outrage where there is none. However, there is also another side to this story is that it's also important to critique things when there is room for critique. And it's also important to have a clearly open mind about things and be willing to discuss them. So I hope to try to present kind of a golden mean position about this controversy and try to more than anything beyond just this season three trailer and more broadly the, the show, The Chosen, whether you like it or or not to try to present the opportunity to show thinking out loud about things that deserve conversation. So not sparking outrage, but also not willing to ignore things that deserve conversation is how we're going to move into our next segment, Christianity Not Today. All right, in this portion of the show, we look at something that is patently not Christian, try to provide a Christian perspective on it. Now, uh, the thing that is not Christian is not the, the trailer to the season three of The Chosen, and I'll try to show you why. However, I do believe that it deserves some conversation. Before we get into the controversy and what actually sparked it, let me show you the trailer and we'll see if you can pick it up. If you are really the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? Go and tell John what you hear and see. Who is it? Where did we stop? It's him. I'm Judas of Keriot. I have chosen you twelve as my apostles. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. What is stirring in your hearts? In the middle of such division and unrest, is Father God being revealed to you? Come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A scourge of false prophecy must stop. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, we will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. I am the law of Moses. All right, did you get it? If not, here it is again in slow-mo. I am the law of Moses. That's right. This quote from Jesus, I am the law of Moses, has been circulating all over the internet as of late. Now, when the trailer first came out, it was viral. People were loving on it and said they can't wait for the season to come out. And then, slowly but surely, the conversation started to change. And the conversation was around that quote from Jesus, I am the law of Moses. And a lot of people said, well, this is a quote directly from the Book of Mormon. And it proves that, once again, the Chosen is influenced by the Church of Latter-day Saints, by Mormons who are out there and, um, and behind the production of this this chosen series. Now, the real question is, are people looking for drama or is there something to this? And should we even talk about it in the first place? And I'm going to say, obviously, yeah, because we're talking about it today. Before we get into the actual conversation about the quote, where it comes from, is it from the Book of Mormon, and is the controversy rightly deserved? Um, I just want to say this. I think it is fair to state, and I did a video about this in the past, that, that Dallas kind of brought this controversy upon himself. In the past, when he was tasked with explaining comments that uh, Mormons believe in the same Jesus that evangelicals do, he didn't do a great job of defending himself. So here's my kind of uh, response to that. Um, evangelicals and LDS love the same Jesus, or LDS are Christians, that would be a problem, and here's why. Not because there aren't LDS folks who are Christians, and not because there aren't LDS and evangelicals who love the same Jesus, but because it would be wrong of me to ever say that any one group believes any one thing altogether. What did you just say? Roll the tape back one more time. Not because there aren't LDS folks who are Christians, and not because there aren't LDS and evangelicals who love the same Jesus. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Okay, so let, let's get this straight. So he was misrepresented and misinterpreted when he said that Christians and Mormons love the same Jesus. That, that's the contention that he just got done telling us. And then he goes forward and doubles down and says, Christians and Mormons do love the same Jesus, but just not all of them. So he literally thinks that the, the problem Christians have is his use of the word all, rather than the fact that there is this idea that any Mormons can be Christians. So to simply say that, no, I didn't say all Mormons or all LDS believe in the same Jesus as evangelicals, just my Mormon friends over here believe in the same Jesus, doesn't alleviate the tension at all from the fact that in fact, Mormons don't believe in the same Jesus as the Jesus of Scripture and the Jesus that evangelicals believe in. So he didn't do a great job of distancing himself back then, so it's no wonder that people are still curious as to what may be influencing some of the writing of The Chosen. So I think the questions are fair game as we launch into them. Now, before we get to the major question, I do want you to hear what Dallas has to say at the beginning of his defense of the season three trailer, or at least his comments about it, because I think he's got some good insight that is helpful 
to all of us. So here's him talking about how to respond to people and healthy ways to respond to people online. Art, there's no room for, for figures of speech. <laughs> you're, just, uh, you're, you're just saying things so straightforward that especially when it comes to art, there's really no life in it. Um, but again, it's a, it's a very important principle to worry about truth far more than what people might misunderstand because that's gonna happen no matter what. Now, here's the most important thing. I really don't care about avoiding criticism or trying to gain praise. Now, I want to stop for just a moment to give credit where credit is due. I think Dallas is right here about people pleasing and about caring more about the truth than you are about being attacked online or being mischaracterized. Uh, I think this is an important point coming from somebody who is in the public spotlight in a way that few people will be. I think we have to be able to sympathize here and say, hey, being in Dallas's shoes is probably not an easy thing, and the source material is certainly not the easiest thing to tackle. However, he doesn't ask for that kind of pity, how, but I do believe it's warranted. But more importantly, it's important not to people please and not to get off track when being attacked, whether it's online or where, whatever the case may be in public conversation, and, and this does happen a lot to Christians. When we get defensive with our position, what we're actually showing to people is that we maintain a position that we are insecure with and that needs to be defended. Atheists kind of, this is a field day for them because then what they do is they, they consistently attack without ever having to defend their own positions. So we have to get better at not being defensive when people are mischaracterizing what we have to say or attacking us. And I think that this is just really good, useful information. This is something C.S. Lewis actually called bulverism, and, and it happens a lot online. And it has happened to me. It's when somebody purposefully mischaracterizes what you're trying to say or avoids the evidence that you're presenting and then says something ridiculous in its place. Uh, for instance, so you could say, hey, we have some evidence that miracles exist. I mean, we have things that happen all the time that modern science can't explain. How did the barren woman actually be able to produce a child? How did the person that was in the car accident actually survive when surely it should have killed them? So at least it's something that is worth considering before we say miracles never happen. And typically what the hater or the person that is wishing to attack a position will often say is something ridiculous like, oh, okay, miracles exist, then I suppose unicorns exist also. So you see, they're purposefully trying to avoid the very important argument that was just put forth, or at least the one that has some merit to it, and putting forth a very meritless argument. This is also a, a tactic similar to straw manning. So, so it's really important that when attacked, we are not defensive. All right, so I think that's just good advice, but let's move on to the next point, because the next point he makes, I think, is something that deserves some attention, because he just says that, well, we should never respond to criticism and you don't want me to produce a show where I respond to criticism. Well, I'm not so sure about that, so let's listen. See, I got to a point a couple of years ago where God took away any desire to please, any, any desire to people please, um, and I, I started to replace any narcissistic thoughts that I had or desire, what, what the Bible calls fear of man, um, any desire to get affirmation. I started to replace those thoughts with Scripture. And it became a little bit of a superpower, and I think it's a really important principle. Um, when you when you don't do things to please people or avoid criticism, uh, you you really start doing things to please God, and that's an extraordinarily important principle. And and when it comes to the chosen, never once have I actually said or done something. Never once have we as a team said or done something 
to try to avoid criticism or to gain more praise. As we turn toward the actual question at hand, this point is very critical. Dallas tells us it's bad art to be overly concerned about critics. I totally agree on one hand. However, we can have haters for two reasons, at least because hate is going to hate or because haters are pointing out something that needs to be pointed out. For instance, the crowd reaction to Disney, like all of their movies, and most recently, the Amazon Rings of Power, Power is rightly earned. Amazon Rings of Power was a complete cesspool of garbage. And it needed to be called out. The fact that those writers lack the spiritual and creative ability to write something as beautiful as Tolkien is total fair play. For the writers to dismiss fans as racist, trolls, right-wing extremists, and, and more is simply to, oh, to try to shelve rightly deserved criticism. Now, with starving people all over the world, the least Amazon could do was invest a billion dollars in something not so dumb. And quite frankly, Fans calling that out actually provides an opportunity for them to change course. So I'm going to say this. I think criticism, if done the correct way, is absolutely vital to the creative process. So yes and no. This is where we get back to the golden mean. Should Dallas be overly concerned with critics? No. Should he be concerned with critics? Well, if they have something valid to say. So let's turn our attention then to the Book of Mormon, and whether or not Dallas quoted it. So here's what he has to say about that. Of course, I'm not quoting from the Book of Mormon. I've never read the Book of Mormon. The first time I spent too much time, not to, I shouldn't take too much time, to, any time on this, was after people started saying I was quoting from the Book of Mormon. So I <laughs> checked it out. I'm like, actually, I'm not. It's not the same quote. But even if it was, it doesn't really matter. Um, because I still stand by uh, by the quote. So did Jesus and the Chosen quote the Book of Mormon? Well, to answer that question, we have to look at the verse in the Book of Mormon. So we turn to three, third Nephi 59, and it says this, Behold, I am the law and the light. Look unto me and endure to the end, and ye shall live. For unto him that endureth to the end will I give eternal life. So I think it's fair to say, at least technically, no. This isn't him saying, I am the law of Moses in the Book of Mormon. So I think it's fair to say technically no. However, the bigger question remains, and this is where I think criticism is well-deserved. Is Jesus the law of Moses? So push the Mormon conspiracy to the side, and let's actually get to the quote of Jesus here. Well, the answer to that is no. The reason Jesus never said, I am the law in the Bible but only said, I came to fulfill the law, because in point of fact, Jesus is the opposite of the law. Now, far be it from me to suggest that that means that Jesus is contrary to the law or that there is an animosity toward the law in the New Testament. Jesus is clear. He said that he came to fulfill the law, and Jesus is the remedy for the law. So Jesus cannot be the thing he is the remedy for. To really dig into this, we have to go through a very small and brief Bible study about what the law is according to Paul. Paul said that the law is a teacher. Well, what does it teach us? Well, first of all, it teaches us this, that every society needs a transcendent set of values in order to build itself upon. This is what God was doing when he gave the law to Moses in the first place. But the law is a teacher also in this way. The law teaches us that we are sinful people who need a law to keep us in tow and in line. But then also that we are law breakers. And once we have broken the law, which is an inevitability as a sinful human creature, what are we going to do to receive the forgiveness and the salvation that we need 
for being a lawbreaker. And so the law is just merely a teacher that points to Jesus, but the law itself is not Jesus. So you see the problem here? People may not be eloquent enough or articulating exactly the thing that they mean to key in on here, but there is a problem with calling Jesus the law of Moses. And that's what people, I think, by and large, are issuing some concern with, is that there is artistic license and liberty being taken with the chosen on issues of the utmost importance. Dallas already told us that he has Hebrew scholars and evangelical scholars looking at his scripts before they go into production. It's a wonder that these guys didn't catch this, if that's true. This may allude to the fact that perhaps Dallas doesn't have the skill that he needs as a interpreter of this very important source material to actually create the chosen. Now, far be it for me to truly suggest that because he's done a pretty darn good job outside of these minor controversies. But when you are taking artistic license, you have to be willing to listen to your critics and listen to people who might actually be blowing the whistle on something that you need to listen to. And this is where the golden mean comes into play. We need to be always charitable, and always truthful. We need to be both. And we need to walk that center line between those two things. So here's what I think we should do. I think we should be charitable and give Dallas the benefit of the doubt. We should trust what he has to say, that he didn't actually intend to quote the Book of Mormon, which he gets close enough to, but technically doesn't, uh, to, to merit some attention to this issue. I think we should listen to his words and just ultimately believe that what he meant to allude to was the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, which is vastly different than saying that Jesus is the law, which does create some complications. But I also think we should be as truthful and honest as possible, which is to bring this to light and to be willing to speak about it, if not directly to Dallas on one of his videos or anything like that, at least for our own personal benefit. This is what haters on social media get wrong so very often, is that you commenting on a post does not prove anything about who you are. What you do in your own head and in your own heart is deeply important. So it's really important for us as Christians to analyze and critique information, but to make sure we're doing it the right way. So here's kind of the end sum that I suggest for those who have an issue with what Dallas did. Uh, leave Dallas alone. Watch and enjoy the show if you want to. Don't if you don't. But don't be censorious like the left. Don't do those things. Analyze and critique, but make sure you're doing it with information and not emotion. By the way, I'm only responding because others have come out and responded. I, I wouldn't have even known otherwise and would have expected the show to make mistakes. That's just kind of what I expect them to do. Maybe this is the real issue, that we hold this standard for other people that we could never live up to ourselves. Even if it was an intentional quote from the Book of Mormon, so what? Don't watch it. Fair enough. Free speech. You can talk about it all day long if you want to, but be intelligent about it when you do it, especially if you're a Christian, because Christianity is the best philosophy, and we need to make sure that we show that to other people as best we can. So if you can't do that, forget free speech exists and go grab a journal or something like that, but stay off social media because remember, charity in all things and truth in all things. So if you want more Christian events and you want to stay in the know and you want a Christian perspective on current events, then make sure to like, share, subscribe, and don't forget to go with God. Thanks so much for watching.